Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 227. And we're obviously not in our studio at Maryland Public Television in Owings Mills, Maryland. We're all uh, basically in our... Uh, own homes because uh, our state of Maryland has got a do not go out order and we hope everybody is obeying the orders in their state and maybe even going above and beyond that. But on our podcast today we've got kind of the usual characters. We've got writer and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson. Hey there John, uh, greetings from Carroll County. We're just nice to uh, see you Brian. Hunkered down out here. I'm bathing everything in Clorox and uh, hoarding TP. <laughs> Yeah, Clorox is becoming our favorite friend. Our over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey, I feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch, so I'm, let me see if I can figure out if I can look down at you, John. Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> You're in Frederick County, right? I am in Frederick County, yeah. but uh, apparently the virus has made it here, too, so oh, yeah. no one is safe. No one is safe. And uh, we also have our road test producer, Kyle Scanlon who Hello, is everybody. not out road testing and producing right now? Unfortunately not, no, but uh, greetings from Anna Rundle down here in Edgewater. And for those of you that are wondering, we're recording this on April's Fool's Day, April the 1st, and we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things, some new vehicles also. But let's start off with really how MotorWeek is reacting to this uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis. Obviously, we have stopped, uh, as of this week, producing uh, new programs, uh, which is the first time in 39 years we've actually had a pause in production. Uh, the staff was working very, very hard. Everybody you see here and more to get new shows out over the next few weeks, but it just wasn't worth the risk uh, of continuing. So what you'll be seeing uh, this weekend and, uh, is a, probably an evergreen show on public television. Uh, on Motor Trend, we've still got a couple weeks left of new programming. Then we'll be going into some of the best of our 39th season, and we think that will get us through this crisis. But uh, that's really what we're doing on air and on cable. Uh, Greg and everybody else at Motor Week is hard at work in keeping our social media and our YouTube uh, channel um, flooded with new material. Uh, by the end of this week, uh, you'll be seeing uh, the Corvette Stingray track test that was scheduled for the broadcasting cable show this weekend. Uh, it will be up on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash MotorWeek. Uh, also, if you'll check uh, our website, MotorWeek.org, over on the This Just In category, you'll see a notation about what we're doing. And it includes information on a new road, retro road test marathon that uh, our ex-staffer, but still very much connected, Ben Davis, has put together with uh, Jessica Ray, our, our IT guru. And uh, for the month of April, we'll have uh, several different marathons running at two different times, also on our YouTube channel. Uh, we expect to continue to be very active uh, on our social media. Uh, and if any new vehicles come out, we'll be doing on our website a little uh, first look slash first drive on them. And we've got a couple that we think we're going to probably do. All of this will be doled out over a period of weeks. But we want to let you know, along with our This Just In daily news items, we're live and kicking and can't get, wait to get back and push the pedal down. 
Anybody want to add anything? Kyle was in the middle of uh, doing several road tests when we had to shut down. Uh, Brian Robinson has got lots of scripts written for me to edit. And uh, our podcast producer, uh, Greg, up here is ready to put stuff together and get it out to you. So with that said, uh, if you are interested, a lot, has, a lot has been written about the Corvette Stingray. Uh, we've already aired a street drive of it. However, uh, we did have a chance, or Dave Scrivener from our staff had a chance to actually put it to the test on the track. We're doing a lot of publicity about it. It was our car of the month for April. And lo and behold, that show's not going to get out right now, but you will be able to see that test by the end of the week on our YouTube channel. Let's talk about the Corvette briefly. Um, most everybody's now had a little bit of experience, at least uh, learning about the car. Is there anything about the car that uh, you want to talk about? I mean, and we all know it's different. It's the first rear drive uh, Corvette. Brian, you know, you've, you're always can see things better than anybody else about me. Well, I don't know about that. I definitely need to get my eyes checked. But the uh, only first rear engine, at least behind the driver, uh, yeah. mid-engine. Um, I, I was just glad to hear from Scrib's comments on the track that it pretty much lived up to, you know, all the hype instead of, uh, you know, battling oversteer all the yeah. time. Now it's a little more of an understeer with a lot of potential there for more and just a lot more responsive. So it was a good year. About Kyle or Greg, any comments from what you've read so far and seen so far? Kyle? Uh, well, I got to say, I really enjoy the styling of it. Um, I know a lot of a, a lot of people probably aren't going to be a fan of this, but I've never been a huge fan of Corvettes. Mm. I've, I've never really liked the styling. I've been in a few um, years and years ago, but I, I haven't been in a new one for quite some time, but I just never – could get behind how they chose with the uh, with the styling on the exterior and when they moved it to the, the engine to the rear like that i am in love with it now i think it looks absolutely fantastic so that's one thing that's really changed me over to actually a bigger fan of core even just a fan period of the corvette is how it looks now compared to what it used to look like yeah i don't know when we're actually going to get one in here at work it's going to be a while i suspect greg i i can tell you having been in it, it you'll fit Great that's, a, that's always a good thing. Um, yeah, it seems like they started with a a good baseline. Like it's, um, it may seem a little tame on paper, um, mm -hmm. but I think it's a very good starting point by all accounts. And uh, they're already talking about uh, Z06s and the next variants that are going to be, you know, probably upwards of seven horse, seven hundred horsepower. And An electric like one too, probably. Yeah. So I think. While some people may not be blown away with this one, um, I would say just wait because we're going to get some really, really amazing versions here shortly. Let's move on to uh, what we're going to be seeing more and more of, and that is because of all the um, auto show cancellations. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, we're getting digital online reveals. There was one this week uh, from Korea, a car we had already seen renderings of, the new Genesis G80. Uh, they did a digital reveal and have real pictures of it out now. Uh, in a nutshell, this is uh, still another sedan. Their GV80 is still coming, their first SUV. But I don't know, any of you guys catch up on it and you have any comments uh, on what you saw? I was really happy with the way it looked. I think it's, uh, 
the the grill is huge, but every grill is, is huge, huge at this point. But I think the profile lines are spectacular. Uh, inside, they went, um, I guess, a little more minimalist, if that kind of makes sense. It's not totally mm. barren or Spartan by any means, but I think they kind of uh, just took it down to the essentials of a luxury sedan. And I think they did a really nice job. So uh, personally, I think it looks stunning from the outside and the inside. Did you... Do you have any comment, anybody have any comment on the new lighting uh, design, which they've already did on the 90 and showed on the GV80, where it's, they call it, uh, what, uh, it's quad two line? Yeah, it definitely looks pretty trick. Um, the styling overall, you know, they went for more of a coupe-like design. And the car, it looks huge. I mean, I don't know how big it is in, in the real world, but it looks huge, uh, very luxurious. It should be, uh, I didn't realize that, uh, and I may be wrong saying this, but I thought I heard the uh, former head of Bentley Design is now the head of design there. Well, that might be true. I'm not sure. Certain. Yeah, okay. it would make a lot of sense because it, it does have a Bentley kind of look to it. That's funny you say that because as I was looking at it, I said that it has a lot of Bentley characteristics to it. So, I mean, that not knowing the actual truth, I would say there's a good chance. As far as handling, you know, the, the last G80 actually wasn't a bad car. But, Kyle, you just finished uh, doing the road test on the G90, the, the, uh, the bigger car, which has been revamped. What, what, what kind of road manners are we starting to see at Genesis? They've, they've obviously been improving. The 70 was, was excellent. But are you seeing a little more sport in their luxury or what? Um, I mean, the G70, like you said, that was absolutely fantastic, and that, that car could move. Unfortunately, we didn't get to bring that one to the track, which I would have loved to have been behind the wheel of that car at the track. But the G90, it was, you know, you could tell it was much bigger, much heavier, um, you know, decent amount of body roll going through the slalom test and all of that. But with the 5.0 in it, you know, it could, it could get up there pretty quick. And um, unfortunately, we had some uh, technical difficulties with our track box for getting acceleration times but knowing where the quarter mile is on the track it was getting upwards of a, probably 112 115 miles an hour on different runs so it definitely has the power to get the car up there pretty quickly um it, the thing though is it's you, it's big it's just a big sedan for sure yeah. you can tell pulling in the parking spaces and you know, driving it for daily driving use, I almost, you know, it almost felt like I was driving my truck <laughs> sometimes with getting that thing in and out of some parking spaces, especially with a packed grocery store and all that kind of stuff with everything going on. But I, uh, for a luxury vehicle, I definitely, I, I could definitely put it up there on the top of the list, especially where they're selling those cars at their price points. But um, I liked it. I did like it. It didn't blow me away necessarily. But it, uh, it has, you know, some, a little bit of sport pedigree in there. So it definitely, you know, you put it in sport mode, very uh, reactive throttle, and the steering tightens up a little bit. Uh, suspension gets slightly tighter, not a whole lot. Like I said, it's still kind of roly-poly and loose on the road. But it's a, it's a well-made vehicle, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure they're trying to – Nice tea, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not sure they're trying to inject that much sport into the G90. I think they're kind of not going the opposite direction, but just making a statement that, you know, it's all about luxury, more of an mm -hmm. old school luxury ride. Um, you know, G70 is certainly in the performance end of it. Yeah. That's his brand for the time being. It really looks like a luxury car, the 90, and so is the 80. 
while we've got everybody together, uh, we've parceled out our vehicles, our long-term vehicles amongst everyone. Um, let's kind of go around and talk about some of the long-terms. Uh, has anyone here got the VW Arteon? If not, just what well, your experience has been in it. Scribner had that one, but I had it right before he did. We swapped out. Um, yeah, that's been a pleasant surprise to come on. Um, nice, nice looking car, another one. Yeah, and it's not the R line that we had had in the test uh, when mm -hmm. we did our road test, I believe. Uh, but still a nice looking vehicle. Uh, people definitely ask questions about it. I mean, because it looks so good at first glance, I think people are wondering, is that an Audi? Or exactly. Like, why, is, why does that Audi have a Volkswagen badge? <laughs> uh, it's comfortable on the inside. It's very Volkswagen. Um, it's it's got that premium feel and i think we even said uh in our road test or even our most recent long-term update it's not quite audi level but it's it's close and a lot less money absolutely yeah and they're still relatively rare i mean i hardly ever see mm -hmm. them uh they've been on sale for I guess, close to two years now yeah and you just never see them so anytime someone sees it they really don't even know what it is but it, i re i remember thinking when the cc was out and it looked big, but on uh, it looked big in pictures, and then even walking up to it. But when you got in it, it's not a big car. Mm -hmm. I'd say the opposite about the Arteon. It's bigger when you get inside. Mm -hmm. Who's got the? Anybody got the 500X Fiat? Junky, Junky does. You know, I know. I I really kind of like it. It it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a Mini. Uh, it's you know the Mini SUV. It's about the same size and. Um, I think it's there's a lot of chatter on the internet that's not very favorable to the uh, 500X, but really it's what is it, the Jeep Renegade that it's similar to? Yeah, Jeep Renegade. I may not go as far as as that uh, what you were saying, but I don't not like it as much as I was expecting to. How about that? I, I think it's kind of fun, and it's you know it's quirky enough inside. You just don't feel like you're in an everyday vehicle, and it's the space the package fiat's always been pretty good about packaging and uh, at least in recent years and uh it's a nice package inside you can get a lot of stuff in it and it's uh i don't know what it, it's been doing it's doing what 20 almost 27 miles per gallon that's that's not bad yeah and it was that was a lot of urban miles um yeah. and i'll speak to that because just driving through the city uh, i just left auto stop start on i'm not even sure if you can turn it off some cars yeah. at this point aren't capable of doing that but i'm pretty sure you can in this car either way i left it on and it's actually pretty smooth uh, not a lot of four cylinders are that smooth uh but this one i was totally fine with if anybody's, if anybody's hearing one of my dogs barking it must be a delivery guy outside uh porsche macan i think everybody loves it pretty much 21.7 miles per gallon but uh any other comments about it yeah i won the uh, lottery on that one i've had that uh, the last couple of weeks had, you did um, win Unfortunately, I've just mainly been at home most of the time. But when I have gotten out, I mean, it's it's just such a fun vehicle to drive. You almost forget it's an SUV every yeah. time you get behind the wheel, and uh, it's comfortable. The tech is great. Uh, I don't, I can't think of anything I don't like about it. Kyle, what are you driving? Uh, I just have my vehicle because I was supposed to switch out You're for odd man out, huh? Yeah, I was supposed to switch out for the regular uh, regular test cars, but now that we're shut down. I don't. I don't have a car. Mitsubishi Outlander. It's been a pleasant surprise to everyone. PHEV, twenty-four miles per gallon. 
kind of a dated design that I don't know. It's certainly surprised me. Yeah, I, I enjoy driving it, and obviously I like the plug-in time, but I still think we should it should get better mileage. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I might have made a mid typo on that one. Shouldn't it be thirty-four? Yeah, it's definitely more than twenty-four. Yeah, yeah it's. I'm pretty sure it's closer to thirty-four. My big fingers might have just hit the two instead of yeah. the three. And when you you look at the size of it, uh, you know, and you look at uh, comparable packages out there that are electrified, it it's really an excellent package. Uh, I think it's been very underrated by the uh, media in general. So uh, we're we're quite happy with it. Um, Nissan Altima. Uh, another excellent sedan trying to survive in an SUV world, 29 plus miles per gallon on that, but just a nice car. Nice. If you just want a nice car that's reliable, it's what it is. Yeah. Every time I get into it, I'm like, wow, I forgot how nice this was. Yeah. I, I think I had it. It's got all wheel drive, which uh, was cool. I think I had it the only time we got any little hint of snow this winter and a uh, little bit I drove it through. It seemed to do really well. It's same system as the Rogue and all the other crossovers, so we expect it to do well. And I've got the uh, the Palisade from Hyundai, which, uh, you know, it's won just about it along with the Telluride at Kia, won just about every SUV award there is this year, 22.7 miles per gallon. On the highway, though, for, you know, a big three-rower, it's doing 26, 27. Uh, very comfortable. The seats are really, you think they're hard, but uh, you can drive it for six or seven hours, and it's very comfortable. Um, there have been some other comments about the infotainment system being a little fussy. Uh, certain buttons that say things like menu and so forth don't really get you to what you think you ought to be getting to. So a little quirky about that, uh, but I think they've done an amazing package of making a in any other life, it would be an it, it would be a luxury SUV. Uh, it lacks a few of the bells and whistles, but it's a pretty terrific piece of work. And if I was out looking for a Highlander or a Pilot or anything else, uh, and by the way, right now, if you do have a way of buying a new car, there's some amazing deals out there. But the Palisade is um, is is pretty pretty terrific, and uh, I think we're really glad to have it in our fleet. Uh, we do have some other things to skip to before we uh, tire everybody out with our podcast. We've got a lightning round. We're, we just Let's just talk a little bit. First, it was Geneva canceling their motor show. Then the New York show is supposedly going to happen in August. And this week, of course, Detroit canceled its show because the uh, TCF Center, what we used to call Cobo Hall, is being turned into a uh, hospital uh, in Detroit. So, you know, here we are. The virus has caused online uh, debuts to happen, major auto shows to shut down or be pushed away. Do you think this pandemic is going to change auto shows and new product reveals in the future? I mean, we were already going to the point where so many events were not happening at auto shows. Is this going to be kind of like the, the final shove? Yeah, you kind of hit on it there at the end of where I was going that kind of been a long process I mean and the auto manufacturers themselves are to blame I mean used to be when you went to a show that you didn't know what was going to be there now everything's right. out there on the internet by the manufacturers not you know not someone trying to scoop stuff they're, they're putting it all out there before the show even starts so they've been somewhat I wouldn't use the word irrelevant but 
they've been heading in this direction for a while now. And I just saw uh, this morning Paris canceled as well. So mm. you can add that one to the list. So it's, yeah, it's been a long time coming for sure. Any other comments? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it does a lot for the consumer, though, because it's not just open the press days when we see it. So for us, could it be, could it change things a little bit? Could they shorten the press days or shorten or, you know, not do such extravagant reveals in person? I could definitely see that happening. But I think they still want to get to the consumer and have a, uh, a stage where they can just walk around the cars and, and talk to professionals and, mm-hmm. and try to sell them some of these cars. Thanks for uh, pointing out how jaded and uh, selfish I am as a car model. No, it's, I, be- it's because it's happened to me. So Yeah, I think they're absolutely still relevant for the public. Yeah, and- there's something to be said about actually being, you know, around the car in person. It was like you were saying with certain pictures of vehicles, you, get, you can get a feel that something mm-hmm. might be kind of big or long or wide or, you know, any of that, but until you're actually standing next to it and, you know, get to sit on the inside and feel the vehicle for a little bit, there there definitely is something about that hands-on aspect that I feel like needs to stay there where digital reveals, they, they can't express that no. in the same but way. You, you can't compare vehicles. I mean, you yeah. go to an auto show, you, you know, suppose you want a three-row SUV and you hear us talking about wonderful, the Palisade and Telluride is, but you know, you own a Honda, so you want to go see how it compares to the Pilot or Highlander Toyota. You can't do that anywhere else. You can't wear your winter coat and look at a digital reveal and get an idea of whether it's comfortable or not. Exactly. Okay, uh, we do have a reviewer question to wrap up uh, this podcast. Randy has a bone to pick with windshield wiper fluid, washer fluid. And uh, I know it's at the end of the winter, but uh, it's a good question. He lives in Chicago, and he's noticed that modern washer fluid does not work as it should in cold weather as it often freezes on the windshield. Uh, after talking with an unnamed source, Randy decided to add a small amount of antifreeze to his washer fluid. He says it works fantastic. He wants us to discuss it. Uh, let me start. I went to our guru, Pat Goss, and uh, he did a video a while back. He pointed out that if you do add antifreeze to washer fluid, uh, if you add too much, you've got the possibility of damaging the paint as it drips down off the windshield. Uh, you also have a have an oily mixture, glycol in there that can smear the windshield. My personal feeling is, Randy, are you draining the tank first or are you putting, there are lots of different winter winter washer fluids. Some are good to zero, some are good to minus 25, minus 35. You know, but if you mix it with something that's already in the system, you're diluting it. So maybe you maybe you could step up and buy a different fluid before you risk doing anything else. That was my question. Is he talking about like automotive uh, antifreeze or like the RV style and boat antifreeze? I'm not sure which one he's using. Sounded like he's using radiator antifreeze. Yeah. So the the question uh, was a little bit longer than this one. I paraphrase and if i missed anything i'm sorry to randy but um he had mentioned specifically just the classic green antifreeze Mm -hmm. that he had been using um but you know obviously it seems to me there's environmental concerns if it's you're shooting it onto your windshield and it falls down on the road and then it's off into the watershed it's just you can't have everybody putting just classic antifreeze in their uh, uh windshield wiper fluid you know, Brian's uh, comment about RV antifreeze, which is basically, you know, uh, I th- 
at least I think it's less harmful to the environment. I guess I'd try that. But yeah, for, for the price you're going to pay for RV antifreeze, you can go buy a gallon of minus 35 um, uh, windshield washer stuff. So I, I'm not sure where you're saving any money there and maybe doing some damage all the way around. Yeah, have you had, had an experience with it? We don't get that cold in Maryland, so. Well, I've had it freeze, you know. I think it's really made just to not freeze in the tank. Right. Depending on the nozzle that's coming out of, sometimes it comes out in a pretty fine mist, which, you know, that wouldn't take much to make it freeze. So I'm not really sure what you could do on that. Kyle, you're a California boy. You probably don't even use this stuff. Oh no, I'm I'm all over. I did. I spent six years in Burlington, Vermont, as well. So I know. <laughs> That's why I forgot. And uh, I had to say, in my experience up there, with the, and we had some really really severe winters yes, when I was up there. And um, I never had this problem. You know, I had days I'd be getting ready to go to the go to the mountain to go snowboarding, and it'd be negative fourteen degrees, negative twenty degrees at six in the morning. And you'd still have to spray on the the wiper to get some salt off your windshield. And I never I never had this issue. Um, for Randy, I'd say maybe he just needs to shop around a little bit, yeah. find that negative 15, negative 30 windshield wiper fluid because I lived in a very cold environment and I never once had it freezing on my windshield. I've so, seen plenty of them online. They're only good down to zero. Okay. And that's clearly not good enough. Okay. With that, everybody, let's wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for this MotorWeek Podcast 227. Special thanks out there to our advertisers. Rock Auto and Tyrac.com for uh, being such terrific supporters. Uh, just a word to everybody. Uh, every state's different, has different rules. Go by the rules. I think the social mitigation is what we're going to have to do in order to beat this invisible uh, enemy. Uh, I know if you, if you get a stay-at-home order, don't go out for any reason unless you got to go food or medical or, or, or whatever. Uh, do what you're supposed to do so we can all beat it because not only do we want to limit the amount of harm it's doing to, uh, so, to all of us, us and everybody out there, but we want to get back on the air, you know, and the quicker we can get this thing over, the quicker we can get MotorWeek back in gear and start uh, providing you with all the, uh, the information uh, that you need. And believe me, coming out of this is going to be one heck of a buyer's car market. There's going to be a lot of vehicles to buy and a lot of great deals. And we want to be able to tell you about all of that. But right now, the fundamental thing is stay in place if, you have, if you've been told to and be safe. And I hate to say it, wash your hands a lot. We don't get to thank uh, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood today, who normally makes us uh, sound uh, terrific, but Jim's uh, at home and thank him for all of his effort. Greg, you've pretty much done everything today. You produced this and put this all together. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Brian Robinson and Kyle, thanks for making uh, yourselves available. And by the way, we're going to do this again about once every two weeks, just like we normally do. And we're going to be doing some other uh, little chats online uh, as we go along. So check our website and our YouTube channel for that. Till next time, I'm John Davis. Thanks, everyone, for being a part of Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.